Welcome to episode 280 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the abolishment of the Department of Energy. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, share episodes with your friends, and support the podcast by shopping at truthquestshirtfactory.com, where we produce thought-provoking shirts inspired by various podcast episodes. Question. How big is the federal government? Answer. At last count, nearly 2 million civilian employees and over 440 agencies and thousands of spin-offs, programs, and initiatives. Question. How many of the 440-plus agencies are constitutional? Answer. Probably less than 10%. The Department of Energy is one of those unconstitutional federal agencies and should be abolished and defunded by Congress today. It was activated on October 1, 1977, as the 12th cabinet-level department. According to the Department of Energy's website, it, quote, brought together for the first time within one agency two programmatic traditions that had long coexisted within the federal establishment. One, defense responsibilities that included the design, construction, and testing of nuclear weapons dating from the Manhattan Project effort to build the atomic bomb and two, a loosely knit amalgamation of energy-related programs scattered throughout the federal government, end quote. For some of you, calling for the defunding and abolishment of a federal agency, any agency, much less one as important as the DOE, since they are dealing with something as important as energy and nuclear weapons, may seem like blasphemy. You may be wondering how I can make such a bold statement calling for its abolishment. The reason is simple. Constitutionally speaking, the Department of Energy's very existence is essentially illegal. How do I know that? Because the powers granted by the states to the newly created federal government at the Constitutional Convention are listed succinctly in Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution. The powers listed in those 18 paragraphs include the following. Six paragraphs concerning the military and the militia. Four of them concern money or taxes. There's a paragraph on commerce. There's a paragraph concerning naturalization and bankruptcies. Notice I did not say immigration. There's a paragraph in there about post office and post roads. There's one on copyrights and patents. There's one concerning federal courts. One on maritime crime. A paragraph concerning the governing of the District of Columbia. And finally, there's one paragraph that gives Congress the power to, quote, make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying out the execution of the foregoing powers. This is known as the Necessary and Proper Clause, which we will tackle at the end of this episode. Just in case there was any confusion after reading Article 1, Section 8, the Founding Fathers authored the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution, which reads, The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. As James Madison explained in Federalist 45, the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined, which seems obvious given what we just covered. Madison continued and explained those powers that are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. Again, in the argument here, the Tenth Amendment is pretty damn clear. By the way, one of the shirts we sell at truthquestshirtfactory.com says, few and defined, numerous and indefinite. I encourage you to pick one up if this argument is piquing your interest. To finish with Madison, he said, quote, The former, that being the powers delegated to the federal government, 
will be exercised principally on external objects as war, peace, negotiation, and foreign commerce, with which last the power of taxation will, for the most part, be connected. He goes on to say, quote, the powers reserved to the several states will extend to all the objects which in the ordinary course of affairs concern the lives, liberty, and property of the people and the internal order, improvement, and prosperity of the state, end quote. Back to Article 1, Section 8. Did you hear me say anything about energy on that list? Does the Department of Energy pass the constitutional smell test? No, of course not because it's not listed in the enumerated powers delegated to the federal government by the states, and therefore the Department of Energy should be abolished and defunded today. Now, the astute among you may say, hey, wait a minute, I thought you said there were six paragraphs in Article 1, Section 8 concerning the military and the militia. And if one of the reasons the Department of Energy was created was to deal with nuclear weapons, couldn't the argument be made that it is constitutional? To which I say, I agree with you to a certain extent. I will address that exact concern at the end of the episode. Until then, let's examine the Department of Energy holistically. Despite the fact that the DOE should not exist, it has an annual budget of $46 billion and an employee base of over 14,000, all of whom could be working productively in the private sector rather than in the bloated, inefficient, meddlesome government agency that adds nothing to the economy, instead acts as a drag. The Department of Energy's own website makes my argument for abolishment. Quote, Over the course of its history, the Department of Energy has shifted its emphasis and focus as the needs of the nation have changed. During the late 1970s, the department emphasized energy development and regulation. In the 1980s, nuclear weapons research, development, and production took a priority. With the end of the Cold War, the department focused on environmental cleanup of the nuclear weapons complex and non-proliferation and stewardship of the nuclear stockpile. In the 2000s, the department's priority has been ensuring the nation's security and prosperity by addressing its energy, environmental, and nuclear challenges through science and technology solutions. The department has sought to transform the nation's energy system and secure leadership in clean energy technologies, pursue world-class science and engineering as a cornerstone of economic prosperity, and enhance nuclear security through defense, nonproliferation, and environmental effort. End quote. In other words... The mission of the Department of Energy has ebbed and flowed and grown with the sitting of each new Congress. Its mission is vague and unclear, which makes it malleable and subject to growth, waste, inefficiency. Just like every endeavor that spends other people's money on other people. Or, in America's case, one that spends printed money on other people. Given its ambiguous mandate, they can simply claim a new one ask for more money, hire more people, rinse, repeat every two years with each new irresponsible Congress. Rarely will you find a better example of the expression, never let a crisis go to waste, than the establishment of the Department of Energy. The website states, quote, until the 1970s, the federal government played a limited role in formulating national energy policy in an era of relatively cheap and abundant energy. The nation relied on the private sector to fulfill most of its energy needs. Historically, Americans expected private industry to establish production, distribution, marketing, and pricing policies. End quote. Yeah, no shit. It's called the free market. It's called capitalism. It's called a profit motive. There is no national energy policy because the Constitution is silent on the issue. Here's more from the website. 
Quote, two major developments fundamentally changed the role of the federal government in the energy field in the 1970s. First, the energy crisis of the 1970s hastened a series of government reorganizations as both the executive and legislative branches sought to better coordinate federal energy policy and programs. Second, while the Atomic Energy Commission's activities in developing and commercializing nuclear energy had represented the federal government's largest and most significant energy project for decades to that point, questions about the need to separate nuclear licensing and regulation functions from the development and production of nuclear power and weapons hastened the abolishment of the Atomic Energy Commission and the establishment of the Energy Research and Development Administration and the Nuclear Regulatory Commission in its place in 1974. My goodness, the names of these agencies are just absolutely insane. It goes on. In 1977, the establishment of the Department of Energy brought most of the federal energy activities under one umbrella and provided the framework for a comprehensive and balanced national energy plan. While the Nuclear Regulatory Commission maintained its regulatory duties in areas like reactor safety and radiation protection, here comes the mission creep part of the story. The Department of Energy undertook responsibility for long-term, high-risk research and development of energy technology, federal power marketing, energy conservation, the nuclear weapons program, energy regulatory programs, and a central energy data collection and analysis program. They fail to mention all the unconstitutional meddling in the lives of Americans that the Department of Energy has undertaken following the expansion of this mission. More on that in a minute. But there you have it. Never let a crisis go to waste. The energy crisis of the 1970s was used as an excuse to stand up another massive, inefficient, bloated federal bureaucracy that serves only as a drag on the economy. Can you think of any other crisis used to prop up or sprout a federal agency or take away personal liberties or violate God-given and constitutionally protected rights? It's been happening since the beginning of our republic. World War I, price controls, rationing, federal takeover of industries. How about the Great Depression? Can you say New Deal, gold confiscation, dozens of new unconstitutional agencies that we're still dealing with over 100 years later? World War II, along with similar behavior during World War I, we had internment camps of Japanese Americans. Welfare and warfare, the Great Society and the Vietnam War. Nixon takes the country off the gold standard. How about 9-11? Can anyone say Homeland Security, NSA spying, FISA courts? How about the financial meltdown of 2008? Dodd-Frank, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, bailouts, more regulations, more restrictions, and probably the mother of all crises, COVID, lockdowns, mandates, threats, censorship, death, adverse effects. So what does the DOE actually do? I've read to you some of their flowery language, but they list six goals. The first is protect human health and the environment. The second, preserve, protect, and share records and information. The third goal, implement departmental policy concerning continuity of worker pension and medical benefits. Four, Manage legacy land and assets, emphasizing safety, reuse, and disposition, including cleanup of legacy waste. The fifth goal is support an effective and efficient workforce structured to accomplish departmental missions. Six, engage the public, governments, and interested parties. Wow. Is any of that anchored or sourced in the Constitution? 
That's a bunch of unconstitutional bullshit. According to energy.gov, their priorities include climate action, energy jobs, investments, and energy justice. Oh boy, anytime an adjective is added to a word, especially if that word is justice, you should be very, very suspicious. Social justice, environmental justice, now we have energy justice. Again, none of that is anchored or sourced in the Constitution. Anyone that pays the least bit of attention to the news understands that the primary focus of the Department of Energy is implementing the green energy agenda. They call it clean energy, renewables, net zero carbon emissions, etc. It's all about pushing expensive electric vehicles and punishing fossil fuel users. All this shit we discussed in the previous episode, episode 279. As I see it, the main priority of the Department of Energy is to harass the American people, to dictate to them. 2023 was the year the Department of Energy jumped the shark. Early in the year, they started issuing proposals or dictates on energy efficiency of dozens of appliances and devices. You know, in order to lower household energy costs and reduce pollution, save the planet. From pool pumps to heating equipment, refrigerators, light bulbs, walk-in coolers and freezers, water heaters, dishwashers, washing machines, dryers, air conditioners, furnaces, gas-powered lawn mowers, weed eaters, leaf blowers, and some two dozen other appliances and devices. There's never any consideration of the cost to consumers to buy all these more expensive appliances and devices that comply with the endless list of the Department of Energy mandates, and there sure as hell is never any consideration of the constitutionality of their actions and so-called authority. There is no need for a federal agency to dictate standards or methods of energy usage for household appliances or one that pushes a certain form of transportation while demonizing another. The individual states are perfectly capable of handling all of that. They can create coalitions with other states to address broader issues regarding the electric grid or even nuclear cleanup. But as prescribed by the Constitution, the federal government has no power to be involved in this area of life and therefore any policy prescriptions, regulations, and or dictates are null and void. They have no authority. Besides the question of constitutionality, no one ever asked the question why. Why is a federal department of energy necessary? For the first 201 years of the nation's existence, we operated without centralized guidance on this subject. We were able to deal with our collective energy needs without the corrupting influence of some bureaucrat in D.C. As a matter of fact, the nation thrived without centralized guidance on the subject of energy. The United States became the most powerful and most influential country on the planet in less than 200 years without a Department of Energy, proving its very existence is pointless. There is no need for a federal agency to regulate, or in the case of the Department of Energy, dictate energy policy to 340 million people plus the 10 to 15 million illegals. A quick review of press releases on the department's website will give you a sense of the things that they find important. Here's one. Snow-capped mountains at risk from climate change. DOE announces $36 million to advance marine carbon dioxide removal techniques and slash harmful greenhouse gas pollution. DOE proposes new standards for residential appliances to save Americans billions in annual energy and water bill. DOE finalizes efficiency standards for residential refrigerators and freezers, closing out remarkable year of cost-saving progress. 
and the paragraph below that reads, bolstering Biden-Harris administration efforts to strengthen outdated efficiency standards to save Americans over a trillion dollars over 30 years. Then I noticed a trend. There's lots of press releases about tribes and tribal land. U.S. Department of Energy announces $3 million to transition tribal colleges and universities to clean energy. Tribal Energy Snapshot, the Karak Tribe. Biden-Harris administration announces $30 million in clean energy funding to 28 states, local, and tribal governments. Biden-Harris administration delivers more than $167 million in grid resilience formula grants to states and tribes across the country. And there was similar attention to Puerto Rico. 2023 Year in Review, Advancing Puerto Rico's Grid Recovery and Modernization. DOE announces $13 million to connect more Puerto Rico communities with residential solar and battery storage. DOE awards nearly a million dollars to strengthen community energy resilience for Puerto Rico. And finally, DOE announces up to $440 million to install rooftop solar and batteries in Puerto Rico's most vulnerable communities. Who can oppose most vulnerable communities? Here is one press release I found particularly telling. Let's call it Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste Part 2. Biden-Harris administration announces $169 million to accelerate electric heat pump manufacturing as part of Investing in America agenda. It reads, in part, as part of the Biden-Harris administration's Investing in America agenda, the U.S. Department of Energy today announced a historic $169 million for nine projects to accelerate electric heat pump manufacturing at 15 sites across the country. The selected projects are the first awards from DOE's authorization invoked by President Biden's use of emergency authority on the basis of climate change to utilize the Defense Production Act to increase domestic production of five key clean energy technologies, including electric heat pumps. Just so you understand what all that shit means, the resident simply deems an emergency, this time based on climate change, which isn't even a real thing. With the emergency declared without congressional approval or consultation, the resident then utilizes the Defense Production Act of 1950 to start shoving an agenda down the throats of Americans. In this case, something as obscure as heat pumps. Here are some of the key accomplishments touted by the Department of Energy in 2023. Lowering costs for Americans. The Energy Efficiency and Conservation Block Grant Program, designed to assist states, local governments, and tribes in implementing strategies to reduce energy use, to reduce fossil fuel emissions, and to improve energy efficiency. Prioritizing environmental justice. In October, the Department of Energy reached a significant milestone in its journey towards achieving a just and equitable energy economy changing the name of the Office of Economic Impact and Diversity to the Office of Energy Justice and Equity to better reflect DOE's commitment to energy justice and tackling the climate crisis through equity-centered solutions. They changed the effing name of one of their unconstitutional programs and they celebrated it. That's nothing short of embarrassing. And finally, Training the next generation of clean energy workforce. In June, DOE announced a $13.5 million investment, primarily funded by the bipartisan infrastructure law, in 12 training partnerships to expand a solar energy workforce in, can you guess it? 
in underserved and underrepresented communities. Who can oppose helping the underserved and underrepresented? Whatever the hell that means. The absolute garbage, woke bullshit is just dripping from the words that they write. I want to quickly address a concern that often comes up when I advocate for the dismantling of an unconstitutional agency or program, that being the necessary and proper clause of the Constitution, which, as we talked about before, resides at the end of Article 1, Section 8, and reads, The Congress shall have the power to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. The key words in that phrase is the foregoing powers. It doesn't say Congress can pass laws about anything and everything. It does not mean that they can pass laws on whatever is convenient or popular at the moment, like the creation of the Department of Energy. It says they can enact laws that are related to the foregoing powers, meaning the 18 paragraphs in Article 1, Section 8. Now, since energy is not one of the enumerated powers listed in the Constitution, the fact that Congress passed a law creating an agency to direct or govern energy policy doesn't mean jack shit. In this case, Congress acted extra-constitutionally. It's still unconstitutional. It's still null and void. It doesn't matter if Congress granted it. If you still remain unconvinced, let me offer another argument to take in a chainsaw to the federal bureaucracy. I don't know if you noticed or not, but the United States is bankrupt. The national debt currently stands at $34 trillion. It was $10 trillion when Bush left office. It's more than doubled in the last 10 years. Today, the national debt is increasing at some insane rate, like it's close to a trillion dollars like every 90 days or something like that. Additionally, we have price inflation rates at generation high levels, and we have lost our reserve currency status with an end to the petrodollar scheme. Check out episode 191 if you want to learn about that. Given all of that, it is time to take that figurative chainsaw to the federal government and scale it back dramatically to its original size and scope. A small step in that direction is the abolishment of the Department of Energy. As I said earlier, I recognize the fact that calling for the abolishment of any federal agency is a tough pill for many of you to swallow. After all, it's really a foreign concept. You've probably never heard anyone make such claims. You never witnessed the death of a federal agency or a federal program for that matter. You've only seen the federal government go in one direction, up, bigger, more intrusive, taking more ground, and it, it never retreats. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I understand some of you will find certain duties and responsibilities of the Department of Energy to be legit. The most obvious is the nuclear weapons aspect and possibly nuclear cleanup efforts that supposedly spawned the agency. To which I ask, what is the basis for making the claim that the federal government should be involved in nuclear weapons or nuclear cleanup efforts? The only answer to that question, the only standard that should be applied is the Constitution. If it ain't in there, then the feds need to get their hands off. If it is something particularly important to the people at the time, such as nuclear weapons or nuclear waste cleanup, something the founding fathers would have had no idea about, then we amend the Constitution. We debate it. We narrowly define the mission and states ratify the amendment. Then we have no problem. Applying the constitutionality test to this particular question, one could point to the second to the last paragraph of Article 1, Section 8 and make a decent argument for the absorption of the nuclear weapons management into the Department of Defense. That part of the paragraph specifically points out forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other buildings. 
Other than that, the rest of the Department of Energy should be dismantled, defunded, and abolished today. As I said in the episode about the Department of Education, episode 275, this is not complicated. Given the undisputed fact that energy is not one of the enumerated powers in the Constitution, any federal agency or department engaged in that activity should be defunded and abolished. We cannot run a country without rules, at least not one that has any chance of surviving long term. The Constitution is the country's rule book. In order to return the country to the constitutional balance we originally were bequeathed by the Founding Fathers, it follows that 90% or more of all federal departments and agencies need to be abolished, defunded, and or dismantled. We can start with the Department of Energy. And that's the truth about the abolishment of the Department of Energy. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, share episodes with your friends, and support the podcast by shopping at truthquestshirtfactory.com.